And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love. Great clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if you close your eyes, does it almost Tumbling down in the city that we love. Great clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? And if you close your eyes, does it Beach Community Church. Happy Sunday. We're so glad you guys are here. Thank you for being here, being a part of our family this Sunday morning. If you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome. My name is Charbel. I'm on staff here at Palm Beach Community Church. Um, when you guys first came in, just to quickly say, everyone should have got a program. Make sure in that program, there's a comment card. Make sure you pull that out, fill that comment card, so, fill that comment card out so at the end of service you can go ahead and drop it in the basket. Why don't you guys go ahead, stand up, and let's greet someone around us. Let's get our hands. 
is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. One more time. Because our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God.
Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me.
God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Yes, Lord, you are a great God. You are the God, Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who will never leave or forsake us, God. Pray today as we get ready to receive the message that you have stored for us, that our hearts would be open to you and open what you have for us today. We love you, Lord. We just want to honor you and glorify you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Almost sounds like a Jaws theme there, you know. Got to stay away from that beach. Well, good morning. We are continuing our new series. We're trying to expose some of the lies that we kind of subconsciously believe and buy into that very well could be negatively affecting our lives today. Every day. Every day of our lives, we're constantly being bombarded with, with commercials, with slogans, with jingles. And whether we realize it or not, those statements are kind of being embedded into our mind. Matter of fact, to illustrate, let me um, kind of share some of these jingles. I'm not going to sing, so you can relax. Um, we'll leave that to Charbel and Amy. Didn't Amy do a great job today? She did, yeah, you know. Um, Thank you, Amy. I think she's there. Yes, she is. She's not looking at me. Hello, Amy. Yes. Okay, go on. You don't want attention brought to yourself. Okay, stop right now. All right, I understand. Okay. Um, now, where are we, Amy? Okay. Um, yes, yeah, slogans. We're bombarded with every day. I'm going to give you some. I'm going to mention some of these jingles. And um, if you know who the brand is, why don't you just go ahead and holler it out. All right? You ready? Okay. Like a good neighbor... All right, A plus, all right. You're, thank you over there. Yes, we can hear you're here too. Okay. All right, how about this one? You're in good hands with? Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. That's right. And, you know, that's a lie. You know, we've we, we bought into that lie. I mean, you hold M&Ms in your hand, what do they do? They, they melt. I mean, you know what I mean? But, we, we, you know, we, we got it in our mouth. Melts in your mouth. No, not in your hand, right? How about, uh, you know, this one of my favorite. This is kind of going back a little while. This little old lady used to say, where's the beef? <laughs> Wendy's, have it your way. You guys are getting a little slower here, all right? You deserve a break today. Eat fresh. 
Subway. We bring good things to life. GE, General Electric, all right. There's some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. Smith, someone said I thought. Smith Barney, very good, okay. Be all you can be in the Army. The sky's the limit. Air Force, one person got that one right. U.S. Air Force, all right. Think outside the bun. Taco Bell. How come we all seem to know all the food items better? I don't know what that a reflection of. Um, be the first to know. Come on, be the first to know. CNN. No one's watching CNN. Okay. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Sorry about that. Obey your thirst. Sprite. Obey your thirst. Because I'm worth it. What? Because I'm worth it. That's right. L'Oreal. You know, I want to kind of go out and get some eyeliner after hearing that. I'm worth it, you know. Because I'm worth it. And, you know, our brains are kind of like a, a mental tape deck. It's taking all this stuff in, and it's recording it and keeping it. Our brains are kind of like a hard drive on your computer. You can try to erase it, but guess what? It's still there. It's like you've got your, your memory is kind of like your own personal iCloud that kind of just follows you around wherever you go. And at a moment's notice, you can retrieve pre-recorded words and events that have been embedded into your life years ago. Some of us, it's been decades ago. It's fascinating what the mind can remember. How many of you can uh, remember your, your first real kiss with the opposite sex? Can I see your hands? Most of you. Some of you need to get some memory pills, or maybe it was just, it was a good experience, so you don't remember it. They say you typically remember better the bad experiences, and unfortunately for me, I wish I could forget mine. Her name was Cynthia, Cynthia Story. It was in the sixth grade. You know, puberty was coming, and, and Cynthia invited me over to her house, you know, uh, to have lunch and meet her mother, and so I went over to her house, all, over there on Lighthouse Drive. Man, can I remember it? And that's not a good thing. And so Cynthia invites me over to her house, and her mother, we get in the house, and her mother says to go in her bedroom and play. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if my mother would like this. I had a younger sister, and boys weren't allowed in her bedroom to play, but, you know, mother says to go in her bedroom and play, so I went in her bedroom and we played, you know. And so I, we went in there, and we walked in, and sure enough, first thing Cynthia did was she closed the door, you know. And then, I'm not exaggerating, she turned on the music, and she got on her bed, and she started dancing. And man, could she dance. It's like a personal lap show thing there, you know, in the sixth grade, you know. It's like, what is going on, you know. And so, you know, eventually I was nervous and, you know, finally got out of there and we had lunch and, and then after lunch we went outside and, and I was kind of, you know, thinking my move and, you know, planning my move and my hands were sweaty and I really wanted to kiss Cynthia. I mean, I saw the dance, you know, I got, got to give her a kiss and, you know, and certainly she's going to give me a kiss. And so, you know, we were outside and the air conditioner was right there, you know, and so she was sitting on that air conditioner compressor. And I was kind of leaning into her and getting ready to make my big move, you know. And, and this is no exaggeration. Right when I leaned in and made my big move and was getting ready to touch lips on lip, the air compressor came on. And she jumped. And my tooth hurt her lip and busted her lip. 
I mean, it was ugly. It was embarrassing. I mean, how do you tell her mother that? You know, you know, and she went right in and told her mother, and I don't know, I, I was terribly embarrassed. But that's a memory I'd like to forget. But it's amazing the way our brain keeps and restores and remembers events, words, phrases, slogans, jingles, songs. And for whatever reason, many of us, we, we rarely test the validity of some of these thoughts, some of these songs, some of these slogans. They just kind of swirl around in the recesses of our brain. And as we saw last week, some of these thoughts become subconscious lies. And I really appreciated a lot of positive feedback last week because initially when I kind of share some of these lies, our initial reaction is to say, oh, I don't believe that. But then you see the way that subconscious lie would be lived out in our life. All of a sudden you're saying, man, I do believe that. I do buy into that. That is a lie that is affecting my life. And last week we kind of looked at some of the lies that we believe that are, that are holding us back, keeping us from personal happiness. We talked about how our emotional well-being will remain on shaky ground until we really identify those lies and we replace them with the what? The truth. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth about ourselves. We need to know the truth about life. We need to know the truth about marriage. And, and we need to know the truth about God. Now, last week we looked at some of the lies we subconsciously believe about ourselves. We call them self-lies. Remember that? What did we call them? Self-lies. Today we kind of want to look at some of the lies we believe uh, consciously or subconsciously about life. Now, the first one is the most pervasive. The first one I would say is the most dangerous. Unfortunately, many people today, and maybe many of you, and possibly you, you kind of see this as the American dream. We, I mean, we really bought into this pervasive lie about life. And this pervasive lie about life and about the American dream is this. You can have it all. Lie number one, you can have it all. And most of us, all our lives, we've been bombarded with that message. You can have it all. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. You're entitled to it all. Grab all the gusto you can. Pamper yourself. In the 90s it was, you owe it to yourself to buy a Mercedes Benz. You owe it to yourself. You can have it all. And over time, subconsciously, we begin to buy into this ugly lie that we're entitled. That it's our right to have a Mercedes-Benz. Nothing wrong with a Mercedes, by the way. I'm entitled. I can have it all. Now, some of you are thinking right now, you know, Dr. Ray, I don't believe those silly, stupid commercials. They don't have any effect on me. And my respect, my opinion, or my response would be, let's don't be so naive. We're all affected. Every single one of us by what we see and by what we hear. I mean, why do you think these companies spend billions of dollars on advertising their product? Why? Because it what? It works. And added to these lies we see and hear on TV and the media, we look around us, right? 
And we see those who appear to, they, they appear to have it all. I mean, they've got the big three. They've got lots of money, financial security. They've got intelligence and smarts, and they've got good looks, or they've got a bodacious babe that they're married to, you know? All three. And they seem to kind of live a, a carefree life, free from the struggles and the pain that, that's in our life. And we begin to believe this life, I can just get the right break. That's right, I can have it all too. And then I'll be happy. You see, we, we've bought into the deceit of this lie, this deceit of this thinking, this philosophy that we don't even realize, this when and then thinking. When this happens, then I'll be happy. And we set ourselves up for disappointment. We set ourselves up for unfulfilled expectations. And subconsciously, we're buying into this lie that I can have it all. I can have it all. And then I'll be happy. And we keep buying our lotto tickets with the hope that someday we'll win. And we'll have it all. Who says you can have it all? On what authority do you base this lie I mean, the reality of life says you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, your mother has taught you that all your life. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it all. No one, no one can. You know, over the years, I've had opportunities to, to get to know some, uh, quote, you know, famous people, whatever, celebrities, sports stars, some very wealthy people. And, you know, and all of them, on the outside, many times, they disappear like they, they just got it all together. And then as a pastor, you get a chance to get close. And you see they got gaps and they got needs just like you, just like me. They're no different than us. We all have gaps. We all have needs. And if I'm honest, you know, some of, some of those, um, they, were, they were really, you got to know them and, and, and love and help them. They're often they're really very unhappy. And you see that. You, 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 they have that stuff all the time in the news, these incredibly successful people that are, that are miserable. And why is that? Well, see, they bought into this lie. They bought into this lie that you can have it all. And they push and they push and push themselves to try to get it all. And once they supposedly got it all, they feel like they didn't have it all. Because there's always somebody, right, brighter, prettier, richer, and thinner than you. I mean, right? I mean, there always is. It's this lie of having it all, and it never stops. And too often in trying to get it all, we, we hurt ourselves and we hurt others in trying to get it all, and then we lose it all, and it's called the endless pursuit of self-destruction. And we see that all the time as well. Why? Because we've bought into this lie. We really kind of subconsciously believe that once we reach this level of success in life, then I'll have it all. Then I'll be happy. Only discover when we get there, our life was based upon this lie that I can have it all, and I have it all, and I don't have anything. The unfortunate truth is nobody, nobody really has it all. We all have gaps, we all have needs. We're all sinners. We all fall short. You see, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence until you get there. <laughs> you know, and then you realize, you know, they, they've, they've got weeds in their life too. 
They've got drought in their life just like you. You can't have it all. Say it with me. You can't have it all. You can't have it all. Now, on what authority do I base that statement? You can't have it all. Well, one of the best case studies would be a guy. In his day, he was kind of like the Bill Gates, Albert Einstein, and Hugh Hefner all wrapped up in one. I mean, this guy from the outside, everybody thought he had it all. Matter of fact, other kings said he had it all. I mean, he had lots of money like Bill Gates. He had lots of wisdom like Albert Einstein, and he had lots of sex like Hugh Hefner. He, he had a harem, okay? Let's just leave it that way, all right? And he was the king of Israel. And everybody said that he had it all. He was the wealthiest, wisest man on the earth. And he denied himself no pleasure. His words to describe his pursuit are found in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Let's begin reading with verse 4. Solomon said, man, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards and I made gardens and parks and filling them with all kinds of fruit trees and, and I built reservoirs to collect all the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves and I, I bought slaves, both men and women and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any king who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold the treasure of many kings and providences. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. He had his own rock band. And had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. Look at verse 10. Anything, anything I wanted... I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labor. By verse 10, Solomon begins to kind of realize that the pleasure was in the journey. It was in the hard work, not in the dream to have it all. You see, the reason why this lie can be so detrimental to our emotional health and well-being is that it leads to a dissatisfaction with what one has. And let's be honest. Every single person in this room is so blessed. We have so much compared to the rest of the world. But yet, we always want more. That new dress, that new shoes, that new job, that new house, that new car. Nothing wrong with new stuff. But when we live for it, we want it, and we don't get it, we're unhappy. That new spouse, you know. And the list can just go on and on and on. We always want more. I can have it all. And this I can have it all leads to a bitter dissatisfaction with what one has. Solomon put it this way in chapter 5. He said, those who love money will never have, what's the word? Enough. Circle it, underline it. Will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So the question of the hour is this. Are you dissatisfied with what you have? 
Have you subconsciously kind of bought into this lie that you can have it all? You're entitled to it all. And because you're not getting it all, you're unhappy with your life. A second lie that we often believe about life, lie number two is life should be fair. Now, when my kids were little, and I'm talking about when Raymond was 10 and Janelle was 8 and Philip was 6, when they were little, and I, I love my kids and I, I respect my kids and I'm proud of my kids and I just leave it at that. So um, I got great kids. But um, when they were little, you know, they were kids. And, uh, and, and my oldest son, Raymond, who, who's here sitting by me this morning, you know, when he was a little guy, uh, his favorite words were, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair, Daddy. That's not fair, Mommy. That's not fair. That's not fair. And I'm sure when Raymond went to school in PE, they told him you need to play fair. And I'm sure his mom was really trying hard to, to be fair between him and his siblings. But, I mean, his favorite words, it was, that's not fair. And I'm sure at times Raymond was right in his accusation that things were not always perfectly fair in the Underwood house. But it was driving my wife crazy. And life was becoming very unfair for me. Because when mom is not happy, nobody's happy. Write that down. That's a truth to live by, right? You know? And so I sat down, had this long talk with Raymond. I said, Raymond, should life be fair? And he said, yes, Dad, life should be fair. Is life fair? No, life's not fair. I said, that's the truth, Raymond. Life's not always fair. Sometimes life is fair and sometimes life is unfair. And the sooner you come to realize that, the happier you're going to be and the happy mother's going to be and the happier I am going to be. Life's not always fair. And you can get angry and you can get mad, but you got to accept the reality that life's not always fair. Life is sometimes fair and life is sometimes unfair. I love you, son, but life isn't always fair. Now, later that night, we were kind of going to get ready to have a dessert. My wife is a phenomenal cook, and she had a great pie. And I came to Jan, and I said, Honey, listen, this is what I'd like you to do tonight. I'm, you know, I'm trying to teach Raymond. We're trying to teach Raymond that life's not fair. And so when you, when you cut the pie and serve the pie tonight, I want you to make sure that you give double portions to Janelle and Philip <laughs> to kind of make my point that life's not fair. She said, Honey, you know, that wouldn't be fair. I said, yeah, you know, I mean, that's what we're trying to teach him, that life's not fair. She said, all right, all right, I'll do that, but I want you to know I'm going to give you a smaller piece too. I said, now that's not fair. She said, yeah, life's not fair, you know. Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes 8, 14. He says, there's something else that's meaningless that occurs on the earth. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked men who get what the, what's the word? Righteous deserve. You see, we all want to believe this lie, this wishful thinking, that life should be fair. But the truth is, bad things happen to good people all the time. Life is sometimes fair, and life is sometimes unfair. And every single one of us could share how, how life has treated us unfairly. Sometimes life is fair and sometimes life is unfair. And the sooner we come to accept that, the healthier we will be. 
See, the danger of this lie that life is supposed to be fair is we hold on to our unfair hurts. We live in a prison of our past. We're held captive by our unfair, painful memories. And in doing so, we make our past reality a present problem. And that's what some of you are doing right now, all the time in your life. You make a a past reality, an unfair, something that happened to you that was unfair, that was wrong, and now you're making it a present reality in your life because you've bought into this lie that life is supposed to be fair. Life is sometimes fair. Life is sometimes unfair. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And if we're not careful, you know what happens? We begin to live the life of a victim. Now, some of you have been victimized. Some of us have been victimized. Bad things have happened to us, and we were a victim. We weren't at fault. And I'm not trying to minimize that or mitigate that. Please, know my heart. But nobody wants to live the life of a victim. And you live the life of a victim. You cripple yourself. You put yourself in a prison because you think life is supposed to be fair. And life's not always fair. And now the painful memories of the past, you bring it into the present, and you're stuck. You are stuck. Stuck in the past rather than really living in the present. You see this lie that I want it all? It causes us to to live in the future, this win-then thinking. And this lie of, you know, life should be fair causes us to live in the past. God wants us to live in the present. God wants us to enjoy life today. Now, a third lie that we often believe about life, and I find this especially true in, in the church, those of us maybe that call ourselves Christ or Christ followers, you know, and we're a Christian or maybe we've grown up in our faith or whatever, I find this so present today, a lie that we often believe. We, we kind of believe that since God is on our side, right? I mean, we're a follower of Christ. We've committed our life to Christ. Since God is on our side, life should be easy because God's on our side. I mean, if you're a good Christian and you live a good life, life is supposed to be easy, better for you. Now, to make my point, how many of you uh, like or love watching Shark Tank? Can I see your hands? Come on, you got more than that. That's a great show. That's one of my favorite shows. Um, I TiVo it all the time. Great show. And, I, you know, and all these American entrepreneurs and all these new gadgets and inventions they come up with to make them a lot. It's amazing all the money they make. You know? and, and we love it too because it makes our life what? Easier. I remember when Palm Pilots came out. I just wanted one of those so bad. You know, I could get my life so organized, have my calendar and contacts all on my Palm Pilot, you know? And, you know. and we all want these gadgets because it makes our life easier. And we want life to be easy. And then we buy into this thought, if it's going to make our life easier, then, then life should be easy when it comes to our relationships. And it's not. We take this desire to live a difficult, free life And then we demanded upon the complexity of relationships. And we wrongly think, isn't this true? The good life is the easy life. And the more successful you become, the less trouble you'll have. Now personally, I find it just to be the opposite. 
The more successful, the more responsibility you have, the more difficult, the more demanding life is. But we believe this lie, you know. I mean, the the good life's the easy life, and the more successful we become, the less trouble we should have. And we buy into this lie that life should be easy. So, So what do we do? What do you do? If you're buying into this lie, you know what you do? You minimize the pain, and you maximize the pleasure. You live for the weekend. You minimize the pain, you deal with all the grunt, you got to work, and then you maximize the pleasure, man. You, you live for the weekend. You minimize the pain, you avoid pain. You want to know if you've bought into this lie? Are you, are you kind of an avoider? When it comes to difficult relationships or difficulty in your relationship, you'd rather not talk about it? Kind of like to pretend it's not there? Would you pre- kind of prefer to sweep it under the carpet? Because life should be easy, and it's not easy. So we just minimize it. We try to ignore it. We want to go down the easy road, right? Not the hard road. We want to go down the easy road. And the ironic thing is when we go down the easy road and we try to avoid problems and we try to avoid pain and we try to avoid relationships, ironically, we end up with what? More pain, more problems. That's why it's a lie, It's like a toothache or a cavity. You can ignore it, but it's not going to get better. It's going to get what? Worse. It's going to get worse. And when we ignore our problems, when we ignore our relationship, when we ignore our our pain, it gets worse. The truth is, life is not easy. It's a bear. I mean, that's the truth. It's it's a bear. And I'm going to tell you the truth. The older you get, the more complicated, the more difficult, and the harder it becomes. I don't know where I, I bought into this line, man. I don't know if it was the Social Security system way back when I was a kid, but, man, I always thought when you got 65, man, that was the golden years. You know, and I'm not there yet, so please don't put me there. But, uh, you know, but I'm there a lot in friends and relationships and people in church, and I'm telling you, it's hard. It doesn't get easier as you get older. It gets harder as you get older. And it really gets hard if you've bought into this lie that once you get 65, it's just fun and games, you know, and no pain and all pleasure. Because you get older, there's usually more pain and less pleasure. It's a lie. Dr. Scott Peck, uh, in his best-selling book, The Road Less Travel, man, he puts this so well. He starts his book with this statement. Life is difficult, Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand that life is difficult and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Life's not easy. Once you accept that, life can be a whole lot easier. Now, how can we tell if you're kind of buying into this subconscious lie that life's supposed to be easy? Well, one, we talked about how you try to avoid pain and and difficulties of your life. But you know how you really can tell if you've bought into this lie that life is supposed to be easy? You're unhappy. You're unhappy. You're unhappy because life has not turned out like you thought it should. You might even be a little mad. You might be a little angry. You might even be a little depressed as a result of your anger and your madness. Because life's not easy. I mean, your marriage is a heck of a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. You didn't get the job that you wanted. Bless you. Okay. Uh, and, and nothing seemed to be going your way. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Probably embarrassed that poor person. Um, but life isn't easy, you know. 
And if you don't replace this lie that life should be easy with the truth that life is difficult, you will become a bitter old man. If you don't replace this lie that life is easy with the truth that life is difficult, you will become a bitter old ugly woman. Because haven't you noticed bitter people, especially old people, are ugly people? I mean, it seems like it all goes together, you know? But life isn't easy. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Matter of fact, Jesus taught this. He taught this so clearly. And I know televangelists are going to try to teach you something opposite, but this is exactly what Jesus taught. Before his own crucifixion, he was trying to prepare his disciples for life. And in John 16, he said this. Let's read it together, one voice. You ready? In this world, you will have Pretty clear, isn't it? You're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. You're going to have frustration. Some people translate, or some uh, uh, translators translate the word tribulation. In this world, you're going to have not just trouble, you're going to have tribulation. He said, guys, guys, life's always not going to be easy. It's going to be tough out there. Now, the Bible was written in what language in the New Testament? In Greek. And the Greek verb here, it's hard to translate sometimes Greek verb. This is what you call present indicative active Greek verb, which means continuous action. Continuous action. So you really literally would read it this way. In this world, you will continue to have trouble. You will have continuous trouble. I mean, to live your life in this world, you're going to encounter continuous trouble. That's what Jesus says. It gets worse, okay? Uh, the Greek word here for trouble is the Greek word thalipsis. Can you say that with me? Thalipsis. Come on, say it with me. Thalipsis. You learned Greek today, all right? Thalipsis. Thalipsis means stress, means pressure, means to be squeezed, you know? Uh, trouble, pain, problem, distress. Jesus uses the same Greek verb, thalipsis, in verse 21 of John chapter 6 to describe the distress and the pain and the trouble that a woman goes through in giving birth. Jesus is saying life can be like continuously giving birth. That's a bear. You know, I've been there three times. I didn't have birth, but I was there, and I'm telling you, man, it didn't look like a lot of fun. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what life is, guys? Get ready. In this world, this is what life is like. It's like continuously giving birth. I mean, sign me up for that. That doesn't sound too easy to me. See, Jesus knew that the truth was no pain, no what? Gain. And just like giving birth, it's a lot of pain, but there's a lot of gain. You get a new grandchild. You get a new baby, you know, new boy, new girl. There's no gain without pain. And the truth is we grow the most in the struggle. It's in the pain and it's in the struggle that we find God. Jesus said, in this world, man, you're going to have continuous trouble like giving birth. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus is saying, in the midst of the continuous distress of your life, I want you to find me. I want you to find my peace. Let's look at this whole verse. And let's read this all together, can we? Beginning with... Uh, verse 33 at the very top, it says, I have told you, that's like me and you together, okay? 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, be courageous. I've overcome the world. So you can too. In this world, you can have distress and problems, so just get, get, get ready for it, guys. But in me, in Christ, you can have peace and rest. My peace in the midst of the distress. If you'll put your eyes and put your faith and put your trust in me. God does not promise that there will not be any misfortune and trouble in our lives. He promises just the opposite. He says life is not easy and life isn't fair. But he promises to be with us. He promises us to give us a peace and a rest that we don't understand. If we'll put our trust, if we'll put our faith in him, he'll get us through. And I know we always pray, God, take it away. But it seems like God answers the most by saying, I'm going to be there with you, Raymond. I'm going to be there with you. We'll get through this. You just keep trusting me. You just keep trusting me. Can we bow our heads in prayer? I invite you this morning. I invite you this morning. If you have not, To put your faith, to put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone to save you. Can you pray right now and say, God, God, I acknowledge the reality of my sin, that I can't have it all, that life's not always fair or easy, but in spite of that, I invite Jesus Christ to come into my life and to save me and to change me and to give me his peace. Can you pray this morning, Jesus, fill me with your peace. And can you join me in praying this morning? Can you say, God, remove this lie in my heart that I can have it all. God, remove this lie and replace it with the truth that I'm not going to find lasting happiness I'm looking for in the things of this world. Can you pray this morning, God, remove this lie in my heart that life should be fair and replace it with the truth that life is sometimes fair and life is sometimes unfair. Can you pray, God, Remove this lie in my heart that, that I subconsciously believe somehow that life is supposed to be easy or it's supposed to get easier. Help me to find the peace I'm looking for in Christ. Help me to find you in the struggle of my life. God, we're grateful this morning that you are there and that you do care. And God, when we put our hope and our trust in you, you grow us and you change us and you free us and you show up. And we get to experience your love and your peace in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the storm.
God, we thank you that you've promised that you will never leave us, that you will never deceive us, that you're always there. And we put our eyes and we put our faith and we put our trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone to save us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.